Hi, and welcome to the Confident Woman Podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Erin. And we're here to keep it real, raw, and what it means to be the confident woman. This episode is brought to you by the Confident Woman Collective. If you've ever felt alone in life while you're trying to up-level as a person and in your business, then it's definitely going to be worth it to join the Confident Woman Collective. Here, you won't find yourself alone. Instead, you'll find yourself surrounded by women that you can learn with, grow with, and thrive with in all areas of your life. All right, ladies, today we have a very special guest with us. She is Kamini Wood. And Kamini is the founder and CEO of Live Joy Your Way and the Authentic Me Rise Up program. An international best-selling author, Kamini is driven to support both high-performing teens and adults solidify their relational self-awareness, heal the relationship with themselves, and end the outsourcing of self-worth. And if you've been listening to the podcast, you know that that's exactly what we're all about. We're all about keeping it real, raw, and relatable, and what it means to be your best and most confident self. So holistically, you can boldly step into the confident woman you are created to be. So of course, we have so much to talk about, and I'm excited today to dive in and talk about this conversation, you know, take it further with with comedy. So welcome. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here with you. Yes. So tell me a little bit more how you got started in this line of work. And I see that as an international bestselling author to the programs and everything that you have created really is built and designed to empower women to, uh, including teens too, to really just become more clear on who they are and knowing their self-worth and really that empowerment that comes from within. Is that correct? It absolutely is. Uh, my journey to this place, though, was not linear, um, which is actually part of what I talk about with people is that we don't have to hold ourselves to a linear path. We can allow ourselves to take whatever sidebars we want to take in order to get to where, where we feel that we're meant to be. So I actually started off just in the business world. I was a project manager, part of the dot-com industry, and ended up running my husband's law practice. While I was doing that. I really found that I enjoyed talking to people about what they wanted to accomplish, you know, helping them just their career path, as well as just in life in general. That was kind of something that I really loved doing. But I ended up coupling that with my own personal self-transformation because side note, I am a people pleaser. I am a perfectionist. I am a high achiever. (laughs) And so I spent most of my adult life always looking for the next thing that I needed to accomplish, the next thing that I needed to do work on. And and all of that was driven by showing that I was good enough or worthy enough, because if I continued to achieve, then I was clearly worthy of those external validations. On top of that, the people pleasing, it was about, again, just making sure that everyone else around me was happy, that I was good enough to really be loved by them. These weren't conscious thoughts. These came from, you know, false beliefs. They came from messages, just different experiences I had growing up from when I was little all the way through adulthood. My catalyst, though, was raising children. So I am the mom of five. And when I started seeing my own children emulate those people pleasing, overachieving, overachieving. So here's the thing about high performance. I don't say it's bad. It's just when it's taken to the point where it drives every single thing that we do and we actually put ourselves down that's when we are leaning maybe a little too far into it. So anyway, I saw my children emulating this piece of me and realized they were getting it from me. They, it, it, was, it was those messages, the way I was showing up. So I went through my own transformation, my own work, if you will, coupled that with the work that I had done professionally 
talking to people, helping them, supporting them. And I brought those two things together to really create a business centered on this very thing of helping women understand that their worth is it needs to come from the inside out, not the outside in. Mm, You are speaking my language. I feel like we're soul sisters here. I mean, my book and my background is chasing perfection. I'm a former people pleaser, recovering perfectionist, (laughs) high achieving, ambitious. It's just all I, you know, and I don't like to say this in the context of now, because I'm still a work in progress, mm-hmm. but I'm always on, I'm always driving. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm sure that you can relate. Like yep. once you get behind that, that wheel, right. You are just driven on a mission. And sometimes we forget that there's other passengers in the car or that we should stop and slow down to see the scenery and take all that in. Mm-hmm. So yeah. this is a, uh, you know, like you're sitting there, I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's me. Yep. That's me. Yep. 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 And so, you know, really through my own transformation, same thing occurs, right? So we have this pivotal moment in our life that just really is like, wow, how did I get here? Enough mm-hmm. is enough. So what was that pivotal moment for you? Aside from seeing the patterns happen, you know, repeating itself with your children. Was there something else that was, that happened in your life? And you're like, you know, these aren't things that are really like that. I'm the direction that I'm headed. How can I pull back and do something different? And in that journey is where you kind of found yourself too. So like kind of walk me through some of that, those journey steps. Yes. So two things, two ways, uh, I would say there were two pivotal moments. One was that mother being a mom, right? So I saw my, it was really my middle child, my daughter, constantly looking towards pleasing family members and Mm. pleasing her friends. And I really, it was really like a mirror being like just directed in in my, in my direction where I could see myself. And I was like, Oh my word, that's, that's me. And she's really just repeating my patterns. And this will just happen for generations if we don't interrupt it. That was number one. And number two, as I had that awakening, I realized within the context of running my husband's law firm, I was still living into oh, comedy, you need to play behind the scenes because your job is to take care of others. That leans into people pleasing. You need to be behind the scenes to lift him up because, and I'm not saying it in a, in a negative way. It's more about recognizing that my identity was all wrapped up in the success of everyone else around mm-hmm. me. And that from there, it was, oh, well, now you're a good wife. Now you're a good mom. Now you're a good business owner. Now all the, again, external validation, right? right. So those two things happening pretty, pretty close together were the, those moments where I realized I did need to move out of this old narrative of I had to please others. I had to continue to work to accomplish for everyone else. That was number one. And number two was letting go of this narrative that I had to be behind the scenes, that I couldn't step into my own voice and recognize that what I wanted was worthwhile pursuing. Right. So what what was it that, you know, you said you worth pursuing. So what was that thing that kind of, you know, you, you took those steps, you started to come yep. out into the limelight a little bit, you know, obviously progress is very slow to begin with because anyone who's kind of been behind the scenes, you're just kind of, sometimes you peek around the corner to see what's happening. Right. So that might've been like the first step. And then all of a sudden, as you grow through this transformation journey, you're now front center of the stage. So kind of what was that feeling like some of those, you know, the transformation, what did it feel like? Cause I know that there's a lot of discomfort and mm-hmm. some like pain points and there's a healing aspect of it for anyone listening. When we commit to personal transformation, just we, we want to caution that there will be some of those struggles, right? We call them the growing pains, but the, the, pain of going through this transformation journey 
is worth it because we already know the pain and struggle of staying the same, right? So that are, we already know, like, this isn't where we want to be. It's holding us back. We're seeing our patterns, you know, fall in place with our children to holding us back from watching other people live out our dreams in our life. And we're just kind of playing small behind the scenes. So when we're aware of those things holding us back, the alternative is to stay there or you know, move forward and start peeking your head around the corner. And that might just be the first step. So I'm curious to know what were some of those steps? Like what were some of the big things that just really you had to face and overcome? Because if anyone was listening, might be like, well, I don't even know what's on the other side of that curtain. First of all, I, oh my gosh, wholeheartedly agree with you. It's not easy. And I think a lot of people, and, and because this is what I do for a living, people will reach out and they want like the quick fix. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, can't you just do this in 30 days or 60 days? No. And it's, no, you've got to be in it to go through the breakdown to get to the breakthrough. Yes. And I'm very honest with people. And I say, like, there will be icky and there'll be days you're like, why the heck am I doing this? Mm-hmm. And it's because of what you actually just said. It w- It's asking yourself that question. I know what this pain is like. So is it worth staying in that? Or what is it that I really want? And if I, it, it goes back to the, I know people use the metaphor of the caterpillar all the time, but it's so, it's just true. You know, you're a caterpillar to get to the butterfly. That whole chrysalis stage is icky and gooey and nasty, Mm -hmm. but you can't get to the butterfly stage unless you are willing to sit in that goo. For me, the hardest thing, and I'm still, I I still say we're, we're a work in progress. We don't ever get there, but the hardest part was stating that I was going to step out and do, for instance, run a business on my own that I was going to live into what my heart was calling me to do, which was support individuals, especially the high performers who are stuck and then setting boundaries Mm. because people were so used to me taking care of them. People pleaser. Right. So for me, that was the icky part where it was recognizing that people are not going to be comfortable with me taking on this new persona, this new way of showing up, this new way of releasing the people pleasing, and they're going to push back and that's going to feel not so good. And there's going to be so much of my inner critic that starts to question and say, well, maybe, maybe you're wrong. Maybe you shouldn't do this. Maybe you should go back and take care of and people please and do all the things that everybody else wants you to do. And that's the point in time where I had to stick with it and recognize that boundaries weren't for them. They were for me. Mm. Yeah, And that allowed much. me to be able to move forward. I, I love that you mentioned that because it's like, you know, when you start making those changes, you're going to see the ripple effect and realize that. By you not doing the things for them or taking care of them inadvertently, they're just kind of saying like, I don't know how to do these things because it was taken care of for me. You know, and even I experienced that in my own regard where I had to set the boundaries and make myself a priority, which both of those were so hard because I didn't prioritize myself at all. I was just whatever crumbs fell under the table that hadn't been eaten by the dog. Those are pretty much the scraps I get. Like it was just bottom of the barrel. And and when I started to make those changes, I saw how other people in my life weren't even meeting me halfway because they were so used to me giving like 90% mm-hmm. that that's when I realized, well, if I remove myself from that equation, are these people aside from like family, you know, right? Are these people really my friends? Are they really part of these relationships that I'm nurturing? Or am, are they just out of, you know, am I just being conveniently enabling these other people, places and things, right? By making yeah. sure everything's taken care of. So when you start changing that, did you notice 
that there was a little bit of resistance and pullback and almost where they're just like, but I don't know how to do these things because you've always taken care of it. And how did that, like, I guess it's kind of a twofold question because once you recognize that then, and I know this ties into your work. And the reason I'm asking this is because I've recognized it in myself and even in my own line of work is that for people pleasers that we're so used to kind of doing it for them. Mm-hmm. And the irony now is that now we have self-empowered us that that becomes the mission to now self-empower them instead of doing it for them. Yes. So talk me through that. I want to hear your, your experience. So it's, that, that's so true. And I actually just had a conversation with a client this morning about this very thing. So for my personal experience, yes, it was, it was very uncomfortable, first of all, to sit there with that and recognize and also come to radical acceptance that some friendships and some relationships are just going to have to go because really I was over-functioning and over-giving to the point of just doing, keeping, essentially oh, keeping okay. the relationship alive. Right. And, and so sometimes we have to get to that place of radical acceptance that this relationship, there is not one there because I can't consistently give over, like you said, 90% and they're giving 10. So that's one, one piece of it. The second piece of it is recognizing, and I love how you said this by empowering ourselves, we are actually empowering them because the dialogue internally becomes I'm being selfish by not doing this thing for them because now they're in a pickle, right? Because they don't know how to do this thing what we're actually robbing them of is autonomy. So if we can just reframe it and recognize by actually giving ourselves permission to not people, please, we're giving them the gift of autonomy. They get to learn how to do this thing for themselves and function on their own. So in context with my client just this morning, one of the things that she was saying was, well, I can give this, I, I can, I can set the boundary and everything will be fine, but then it becomes an emergency. And then it's urgent and so important that the thing that he needs for me to do get done. And I said, at what point in time does that emergency, when is it yours? Is it really your emergency or is it his emergency? And -hmm. recognizing that you have to, that's still his emergency. It's still his thing that he needs to have done. You don't have to step in and do it for him. Mm -hmm. He's created that emergency. Let him learn how to handle it. Right. And I noticed just from my own experience is that the people that were closest to me, I would just do these, fix it, do it, people please it, whatever it was done. I was just, oh, take care of everything. I was to take, mm-hmm. take her care. If that's mm-hmm. a word it is today. It is today. <laughs> it is today. And, and I realized that by me doing all this stuff, it robbed them of that opportunity to learn and grow on their own. And when they, whether we're raising kids or enabling my, my father, how to log in with his password, right? Like, you know, sometimes <laughs> it doesn't matter. We can get the younger or the older generation, but if we keep doing everything for them, they're never going to learn it. And so it robs them of that, you know, sense where they can feel like, wow, I did something. I felt so accomplished. I felt so alive, right? So we're giving back, we're passing that baton back to them and say, Hey, listen, I've taken care of the, everything, you know, enabled you, but now mm-hmm. it's your turn to empower yourself to take that baton and run with it. However way you wish, I will be on the sideline and I will cheer you on. And that was a challenge because sometimes when we're also high achieving, sitting there watching somebody ooh, test the patience. Cause you're just like, I could have got this done like 10 minutes ago. And you know what I mean? Yep, like, yeah. so it goes back to when our kid, like my son, my, all my children for that matter, were learning how to tie their shoes. Right. It was, I could totally do this movie out the door, like 10 minutes ago, but here we are crying and you were in the midst of the tears and all the feels of being so frustrated by not tying, being able to tie your shoes. And I'm going to just have to sit here and let you do it. Yes. <laughs> when oh you fast gosh. forward to my 18 year old, who's now learning how to make his own doctor's appointments, because again, <laughs> these are the things that we do. And I just, I literally just last week sat by as he missed his doctor's appointment and they called him on it. And I was like, Ooh, 
and so much of me wanted to make it better and soften the blow. And I was just like, yeah, that's just, you're going to have to deal with the no show on that. And you're going to have to reschedule your own appointment. Yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> oh my God. You know, being a mom too, because that's got to be hard because you, you know, you got like the mom in you that wants to take care of her kids, but then you also got the, the woman who has transformed her life. And I was like, if I could do it, you could do it too. And there's kind of like that. I could kind of see a little bit of a, you know, some, I just want to do it for him. But yeah, it's, uh, it's really cool when, when you could come twofold on there. And I, I always say to empower others, we must first empower ourselves. Yep. And that was, that's a journey within its own. And I think it's so important, you know, if we're, especially if we're in this line of work where our core mission is to empower others, but like, how do we do that? How, you know, is it, is it about creating the perfect program, the perfect course, the perfect this, right? So of course we know perfection doesn't exist, but yet there's always that expectation and ideal that we're creating something that is going to give them all the information that they need so that their life is going to be so much easier by working with us. Right. So in reality, anyone who comes and works with a coach or a life changer or whoever that is in that aspect, there will always be that resistance and uncomfortable stage when first working with somebody, because you have to learn a whole new system, but yet you're also learning a new way of life. And yet for yourself in that line of work, you're there more for like the guidance and the mentoring that enables the others to really do the work on their own. Right. Absolutely. And in a, just to speak to what you were just saying, I do think that there are so many of us in this line of work and we all want to have the perfect program. Mm -hmm. And I often say to people, you know, there, there isn't a perfect program. There's just going to be the one that resonates with you. And that therefore is the right one for you. And, and yes, I see myself as that co-collaborator that I'm walking with you. There are moments where it is more mentor like, and sometimes it's just being that person that you know is hearing you and witnessing you and validating you. So that then you can have those moments of insight, because if they're coming intrinsically, they're the ones that are going to stick, right? Those are the ones that are going to matter because they resonate from the inside out. Yes, absolutely. So tell me more about it, kind of where, when you started this journey and you got to where you are with your work, how did that really change your life? Like, you know, obviously it's a catalyst, right? So you, you know, you have, you're you're an international best-selling author, you know, tell us more about the book and just really the lines of work that work that you have done to really empower others to create that self radical self-awareness to healing themselves and their relationships to really owning their self-worth. So you know, anyone who's kind of listening, I was like, but tell me, tell me more. Like, I don't understand. Maybe I'm on this edge of, I don't like where I'm at, but yet I don't know where I'm going because mm-hmm. that's an unknown. So anyone who's kind of listening, like maybe they're just on that sideline, like behind me sucks, forward sucks. I don't even know where to go left, right, up, down. I don't know. So how would you kind of empower somebody to take that first step and really, you know, with your work through your book, does your book talk a little bit more about that as well? Or So with my work, it's really centered on that relationship with self. And what I mean by that is it's coming home to self. Mm. So often, you know, as children, we are this, we're really the most authentic we're going to be at our young age. And then I almost, the best analogy I have for it is though, we're just kind of covered with layers and layers of stuff, whether it be family messages, society, culture, our own interpersonal relationships, our own personality traits. And there's just these layers that get put on top of us. So the work that we really do is to start whittling back to the original authentic, who am I? So, you know, really realigning with core values, core beliefs, core needs as like that foundational piece, 
because that's really where we begin. And from there, you start, once those are reestablished and realigned with, now you can start taking a look at, well, where am I now in life and all aspects, right? Like, so it's not just one thing. It's not, you know, relationships are one aspect. Then you've got your professional world. Maybe you've got health and wellness. You've got your financial world. They're all interrelated, but they all drive back to how you see yourself, how you talk to yourself. What are your values? What are your beliefs? What are your core needs? So when you really can get realigned with that, those items, then you start looking at the different life domains and you start figuring out, okay, so where am I now and where do I want to go? And what's keeping me? Like what's keeping me from that place? What's in my way? Some of the times it really is just our thought processes. False beliefs are holding us back. You know, the I'm not good enough belief Mm -hmm. is so strong in many of us, or I'm not worthy. I don't deserve A, B, or C is just that limiting belief, but we can't do anything about it until we're aware that that's the thing that we're operating with. That's the operating system that we have. So once we're aware of it, we can take aligned action and we can make commitments to work through that. In terms of the book that I wrote, I actually didn't set out to write a book. What I was actually doing was taking everyday experiences that I was having. And I was recognizing like, even within this moment, I could look at this slightly differently. And I just ended up compiling them up in into a small little book so somebody could pick it up and read one at a time. It's not a front to back read. And really what it does is it helps us see that even in our everyday experiences, we're, there are lessons to be had or there are different ways to see it. So for instance, uh, one of the stories that I talk about in the book is just sitting in traffic and being so frustrated with the construction that was happening. And as I sat there, I just stared off at these workers, men and women who were, you know, drilling away at the, at the ground. And I realized, oh my gosh, this is such an amazing metaphor for just self-work in general. You know, a lot of times we just want to slap on an extra layer of pavement, which is what I would have loved for them to do so I could get on my merry way and not sit there for 45 minutes. But it wouldn't have done the road itself. They needed to take out that old layer before they could lay down a new layer. And that's really what we do with self-work. It's all about getting underneath, removing all of this stuff that no longer serves us before trying to put down a new layer in order for us to move forward. Mm. Oh my gosh, how much I'm resonating with every single thing that you're saying. And it's so true, right? Because the the journey to self-discovery and personal development really starts with the foundation, getting crystal clear on who you are. And if you don't know who you are, that's where you begin. So I think when we ask ourselves this question of who am I, you know, we typically just start with our titles, like our, our job titles, or, you know, our, our we're, we're a mom, we're a wife, we're a businesswoman, right? So we just we talk about these titles, but yet going that deeper layer to getting to know who you really are and having those questions creates a pause for you to really look within and say, okay, but yeah, I mean, I'm more than just, you know, my titles and more than just my job career, you know, I'm fun. I'm outgoing. I'm energetic. I'm caring. I'm loving. I'm compassionate, uh, you know, all these things. Right. So we somewhat dismiss those qualities And we overlook and it becomes this competitive race as who can have the longer list of titles. And it it creates this comparison gap where like, oh my gosh, but she's got like an MBA and a BA and all these letters Mm -hmm. after your name. And it's like, but Mm -hmm. you know, here I am just getting started. Who am I? Is it enough to do this line of work? And who am I to start this career? Who am I? Right. So again, those limiting beliefs will definitely hold us back, but it's really up to us to you know, assess that, like, where did those beliefs come from? Were they passed on? As you said, did we learn it from our, you know, family, our friends, our society, our culture, our schools, whatever that is, Mm -hmm. and start questioning. And I I remember at the beginning of my personal growth journey was, I, I questioned one thing, 
the, who, who am I? Right. And mm-hmm. then, so when I got to that next layer, I was like, Ooh, I don't know who I really am. And it made me pause because I was almost afraid to admit certain things about myself because it felt weird saying nice things about myself. Like, Oh, mm-hmm. I'm loving. And I'm like, I don't know if I am, <laughs> you know? And so we, yeah. we counter that we question ourselves and in so much of our self-worth comes from our own belief system, our lack of faith and confidence in ourselves. It's filled with self-doubt. We're overthinkers. Uh, yep. Perfectionists are always questioning, like, is it good enough? Did they like it? Did they like me? What are they thinking? I hope they like it. What else can I do? How can I fix this? How can I make it better? What can I blah, 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 right? Mm-hmm. The mind does not stop. And it is, we keep in, tuning into what our thoughts are telling us. We become our thoughts. So when we take that an, an extra layer and getting crystal clear on like, who am I really? we start to peel back another layer and that goes into our beliefs and our values. So when we're not sure where these beliefs came from, it really is great to pause and just question a simple one, like anything, right? And say, oh, that was a, I don't know where that came from. Was that something my mom said, or is this something that I learned in school? Okay, got it. You know, Mm -hmm. you found out where that was. And now you're Mm -hmm. just like, is that true? Is that Mm -hmm. my truth today? Is that really the reality of it? And so when you start becoming more curious, we're less focused on ourselves, but more about the curiosity and the outside perspective of what and how it relates to other people. And I love that you brought that up about the workers, because that is so true with building that solid foundation and allowing us to pause in those moments to really take in the entire you know, viewpoint, right? We're so pinpoint focused on got to get me, got to get me, uh, you know, to where I need to be, get these people out of the way, me, 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 me. And it allows us to pause and shift our perspective and changing the way we think it opens our eyes to what is possible, what is more, and it gets us out of that self-focused narrative. So I love that you share that because there's so much wisdom and value just in that simple story. And I love that you take these stories and share them in your book that could also create a pause for somebody else. So love that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, honestly, like I said, I didn't, I did not set out to write the book, but then I ended up compiling them because the thing is, is if we can all take that pause to recognize that even everyday experiences that each one of us is having, we have the ability to look at it slightly different, Mm -hmm. which is really what we're doing with self-work. Can I look at this experience that I've had in the past with a different lens? Shifting that lens opens up all these possibilities. And I love the word that you use. I use it all the time, curiosity. It's about curiosity and not judgment, Mm, compassion and not judgment. Through curiosity and compassion, we can really figure out where we want to go and how we get there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because if we give into our narrative, we know that she doesn't shut up, right? She is just nonstop <laughs> telling you all the things. And, <laughs> right. And, and, you know, when we look at our self-talk, our, our inner critic, really, there's two voices that speak to us. And it's the one that we feed, right? We're feeding that negative yes. narrative. We will, you know, engage with them. We will believe it. We will become it. And the next yes. thing we know, we're everything we don't want to be because we're not listening to the direction of what is really inside. And so sometimes when we find ourselves in that situation, creating that pause, again, pausing is so important for somebody, especially as a high achiever, who is just, like I said, always on go, we don't stop, right? We don't even slow down. But in that pause becomes the silent, like quietness. And then you can Mm -hmm. hear this peep of a whisper. 
And that peep of the whisper is that your, your higher self, like your soul, Mm -hmm. your calling, right? It's your innate Mm -hmm. being that has Mm -hmm. been trying all these years to get, you know, sound, you know, heard. Mm -hmm. And we've been ignoring that one while we listen to the negative. And it's in that little whisper is the one that we should start paying attention to. And the more we tune in, because we've turned a deaf ear to it is that the more we tune in, we start listening to what we from a soul level, what we need, who we are, our values, our beliefs, and we need to turn down the the noise on the inner critic and turn up the volume on that little whisper. Oh my gosh. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I am curious to know, so when in your own journey, then what is it that you really wanted that made you say, I'm taking that step forward? Um, oh gosh, there were things, you know, the surface level, I want to have freedom. I want to, and I say that they're surface level. I don't mean to, to kind of poo poo them, but they were ultimately what I really wanted was to be in alignment with myself. I mean, that's ultimately what it was. was I have, since I was seven years old, wanted to work with people. Of course, at that time, I was like, oh, I'm going to be a psychiatrist. But there was always this innate, talk about the inner voice. As a seven-year-old, the most authentic we're going to get is when we're children. Yeah. I knew I wanted to help people and talk to them. And all of these, well, you should do this. You should do that. All of the levels that were, as I mentioned, like the layers were just piled on and it became, oh, I'm going to go into the business world, of course, because that's what I should do. You know, I've got this math brain. So therefore I should do project management because it's all management. Again, not that it was bad because all of that, those experiences have served me and they continue to serve me in my work today because I feel like most of what I'm working with my clients on is helping them see the pattern. So it's all meant to be by the same token, my innate being and what I truly wanted out of everything was just to be with people and to help them rise up essentially Hmm. what I really wanted. I love that. And, and of course, being as a people pleaser and your former self, I always just say there's like that dichotomy, your former self and your current self. And as your former self, you realize that, that that could not be possible with your thoughts and beliefs and your identity at that time. So in order for you to live out that dream of what you've always wanted to do, you had to make those changes and take that first step. And so that meant, you know, peeling back that curtain and saying, listen, instead of me peeking out, I got to take that step forward. And it's, it's scary. It's messy. It's ugly. And it takes a whole lot of courage, right? Because we have to put ourselves front center where, you know, we're just so used to hiding in, you know, behind the curtain, turn the lights off and leave me alone kind of thing. But it's, you know, when we're called for a higher purpose, we're also called to step out of our comfort zone and really embrace that with an open heart and an open mind. And it's going to take, you know, some trial and errors. And and once we find that path that really starts becoming the, the route that we want to travel, it becomes easier. And I heard you say one thing that really stood out when I asked you first, what was the one thing you really, really wanted? And you said freedom. And so many people don't recognize that that's really the goal of what they want is they're free to be themselves. And some people don't even know who that is. So that freedom might sound scary, but yet when you have that innate calling and you tap into who you truly are, that freedom is just, wow, you're unleashed, right? Like you have this just freedom to 
be authentic, the freedom to just be you, the freedom to, to do the things that light you up. And you start creating a life that just, like you said, aligns with what you want in life, with core values and beliefs. And, and then everything just seems almost magnetic because you start walking this path and, and life is happening so much for you instead mm-hmm. of being behind that scenes and thinking that you just have to get all the crumbs and it's happening to you and you just become kind of that victim of your own story and your own beliefs. It also, for me, is stepping into a version of love versus being driven by fear. 100%. 100%. Oh, I love that. And and we know what's possible with love, right? How we care for ourselves, how we care for others, how we show up, our respect and, and love and honor, you know, this life that we have. Instead of just being so focused on what we don't have, and and I presume gratitude has changed so much of your life as well. Oh, my goodness. Yes. It's so funny, too, because I remember being like, oh, kind of, again, sort of like, oh, yeah, gratitude practice. Everybody talks about gratitude practice. And then I started, I was like, you know, fine, whatever, I'll do it. 100% shift. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Like you said, it's kind of, it seems a little bit overplayed, especially in the personal development world. But until you try it on, you realize that that's exactly what you needed. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I am I am one to I admit it full heart wholeheartedly that I was like, oh my gosh, everybody talks about this. I mean, I have my little spin on it for sure, but the way I mean I I still talk like my oldest daughter's professional ballerina, imposter syndrome, high achieving, she gets like that emotionality that she has to go through. And I absolutely remind her every single time that that becomes a thing is when was the last time you were engaged in your gratitude practice? And every single time she shifts back into it. And that is a grounding zone. Yeah. If we can just one thing, there's one thing to like, just help yourself to just start with gratitude. Right. And of course, you know, that might be a little bit intimidating or a little bit like, yeah, no, it's just like everyone else is doing it. So I don't want to do that. But, but I remember when, when I started on my journey, somebody suggested, you know, have a gratitude journal. I was like, whatever, you know, I'm grateful. Yay. Happy day. (laughs) And you know, it was, it was like pulling teeth. I'll admit it was, it was a challenge. And I remember the, and I still have my gratitude journal from way back when, and I look back at the very first entry and I, and it was like, name three things that you're grateful for today. And I remember writing down, uh, I was sitting outside and I remember writing my cat, uh, the bird's (laughs) So they were chirping because I heard them. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know, mm-hmm. it, it kind of forces you. And then right. on the third one, I said myself. And it was weird because I wrote that down just to see what it felt like. I was almost like trying it on. And I was like, yeah, I don't know if I'm grateful for myself. Yeah. And, but it was a start, right? Because I wanted to see what it felt like to at least write it down and, and acknowledge it. And it felt so weird. But then you know, that's just your first step. You're going to suck at every, you know, everyone's first time at something is, is a terrible <laughs> something. It sucked, right? You're just like, yep. I mean, probably yep. My cat and the bird singing and myself, yep, close the book. We're done for the day, but it, it forces you again. And I'm probably going to say it over again. in this, in this interview is that it's about pausing hmm. because when we pause, we take in the moment and it's almost like we're chewing something, right. But yet we're enjoying the process of it. Like we're enjoying the taste of it. We're savoring the flavor and just digesting it. And when yep. we digest it, we're like, okay, 
that wasn't so bad. It's tolerable. And it starts the little bites that we take allows us to shift our perspective and open our eyes, ears, heart, and possibility for what else is out there, which again, tying back into your book, it allows us to see the good in anything, you know, in a bad situation, it Mm -hmm. allows us to reframe our thought processes. It allows us to intentionally seek the silver lining. And so when something bad can happen, it now is like, Oh, well, maybe there's something, you know, it's, it's happening for me. And, you know, everyone has experienced road rage. So it's, you know, or just traffic or something like that, where it could really get the best of it. And it was something simple, like, maybe this is happening for me. Maybe there's a, you know, an accident ahead that it's causing me to slow down Mm -hmm. so I could take a different route. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe I could have been in an accident. So thankfully there was this construction and Mm -hmm. it, you know, prevented me. So it's always changing the way you look at something. And so I just, so many good things. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I'm, you know, going into, you know, we talked briefly about like boundary setting and, and having that, you know, self-compassion for ourselves allows us to, to be kind and speak, speak kindly about ourselves to pour in that love. And again, how we treat ourselves really is a representation of how we treat others. So with your self-compassion talking about that and really how you harness it, if you just want to touch uh, upon that, like how you kind of came to that and now the tips or something that you do on a daily that fuels that. So it's very interesting because I actually didn't even know self-compassion was a thing. I was like, what, what is this? And so I got really interested in just Kristen Neff's work and just really kind of diving full-fledged into it. And I realized that so many of us, again, going back to overachievers, high achievers, there is so much self-judgment. And really what self-compassion dials into is kindness over judgment. It dials into recognizing that you're not isolated. So it's, it's recognized that there's common humanity, right? Other people have experienced something similar. So you're not going through something all by yourself. And then of course, being in this moment versus worrying about the past or worrying about the future. So it's about mindfulness and being present. But the one that really resonated with me is this idea of kindness over judgment and shifting from this place of what, when I'm talking to myself, would I say this to my best friend? Would I say this to a loved one? Would I say this to my child? And if the answer is no, which 99% of the time it is, Mm -hmm. it's okay, well, then what would I say to them? And now can I offer myself that same compassion? And the reason why this is so important is that's what we are so used to thinking that that negative mindset or beating ourselves up is a thing that propels us forward. It might for a certain amount of time, but that, that judge saboteur or whatever that voice is that we're listening to keeps us in a box. We're going to eventually tap out because you can only sustain that for a certain amount of time. When we're kind to ourselves, so much more is possible because we're looking at the right things. We're looking at what's going well. We're looking at the successes. We're looking at what we've learned with some of the outcomes that we weren't happy with. And that's what we offer like to our children, for instance. We don't sit there and criticize them. The moment we criticize them, they shut down and see these little balls. What we've learned just through child psychology and conscious parenting is you look at and you challenge them to say, well, what went well? What did you learn from this? That's all we're doing here is doing that same thing for ourselves. And so much more is possible when we can do that. Right. And it's so important, you know, when, like you said, you can beat somebody and just harp on them and it kind of gets them, you know, maybe a little bit like fired up, but almost like that motivation is almost like anger or like mm-hmm. resentment. 
And we mm-hmm. know how far that gets, right? Because that actually doesn't fuel us. It, it seeps inside of us and we start harboring onto that. And eventually what we hold on to will continue to hold on to us. So when we think of it as our, part of the healing journey is maybe that's how we were brought up. Maybe that's why we're so driven, right? Like it's just, it's been, it's been ingrained in this, but yet for us to kind of have a little bit of a give take as the, you know, the drivers of our, of our lives, we have to, again, give ourselves compassion. Like maybe it's not just about being ourselves up, but it's about, Hey, you know what? You did the best you can. And that's okay. Just let's call it a day. Let, mm-hmm. What can we learn today to take into tomorrow? And it's about being patient and understanding and loving and kind and all the things that we do for others, because mm-hmm. we're people pleasers. Yep. Why are we not doing that to ourselves? And exactly. so again, recognizing these patterns is like, how much of a beating can you take for yourself that that then becomes the threshold that we're allowing other people to treat us at that level as well. So if we mm-hmm. don't like to be treated like that, well, we need to lower that bar because we have a high threshold. And until mm-hmm. we set those boundaries to listen, nobody can speak to me like that. I've done it enough for myself and I actually don't like it how I do it. So that's my cutoff. And mm-hmm. if you overstep it, you have to draw, you have to respect those boundaries. And so knowing when to, for lack of better words, is to cut somebody off because they're not respecting you. They're not mm-hmm. respecting your boundaries and they're treating you in a way that you recognize now and said, that's enough. And so Absolutely. that enoughness, you said mm-hmm. that, right? Yeah. That's enough. Therefore I'm enough. Yes, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's why we also say that boundaries are for us, not for the others. Yes, exactly. And we, mm-hmm. when we start seeing people overstep them, you know, we have to question, okay, they're, they're overstepping or they're pushing it, but yet how much do we want them in our lives? Right. So these relationships, like some people, it might just be a one pass, but like, listen, nope, you got to go. Or, yeah. you know, for those that are our family and friends, sometimes we can't just cut them off. Right. right. It's about kind of retraining in a sense to be like, listen, you might've gotten away with it for this long, mm-hmm. but I cannot for my own, you know, emotional and mental sanity, I can't keep doing what we did before because it causes me pain. And if they're not respecting that, then we kind of, we have to go from there, but at least, you know, that you've held your firm foundation of where that line is drawn. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that's really important is to just recognize that sometimes people will push back on those boundaries and that's our part to recognize that we have to keep reestablishing it. And then there might need to be a consequence, whatever that consequence is yeah. to ensure that the boundaries respected. Yeah, hundred percent. So this conversation has been just so in- incredible, knowing that you know, one, we have so much in common that I feel like we could talk about this forever. But yet, so many tips and just like little wisdom nuggets, and you know, similar to what your book is about, you know, sharing little bits of from your perspective to empower others to see things differently too, because. That's really the beauty of it. It's like when we go through life, we can't have other people do it for us. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if we want something different, it's not anymore about, well, you know, what they did to us. It's about reclaiming that power and in owning your truth and owning your worth and knowing where you stand. And if you want something in life, it's up to you to go out there and create it. So I love everything that you're sharing with us. And of course, if you want to leave our listeners with any tips or additional takeaways that we're going to include in course. Tell us how we can follow you and contact you. And well, first of all, I want to say thank you to you because this has been just such an enjoyable conversation, and just I think we resonate so much on so many different levels. So thank you so much. I really, I just have thoroughly enjoyed it. 
And I love what you said. Honestly, my biggest piece that I always say when, when ending a talk like this is to simply recognize that life is happening for us and through us, not to us. And I know you mentioned that as we were in the context of our conversation. And that's the one piece that I just, I think if we can just shift into that, because so often we get stuck in why is this happening to me? Mm-hmm. And I get it and I honor it and also it's and what and how do you choose to respond to that and yes. recognize that we can learn from the things that are happening. Yes. Um, but to find me, I'm on the web at comedywood.com or Facebook and Instagram. My handle is It's Authentic Me. And my book itself also is found on my website. So there's that as well. Oh, I love that. Yes. So thank you so much. And of course, we're going to include all that in the show notes. So Kamini, thank you again for being our guest. This has been an incredible conversation. So thank you. I so appreciate you. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the Confident Woman podcast. Um, For more ways to connect with us, check out our Facebook group. It's the Confident Woman on Facebook. There's a ton of amazing ladies in that group that you can connect with as well. My Instagram is at Aaron underscore travels for life. Make sure you go ahead and follow that and follow Rachel as well. What is yours, Rachel? You can follow me on all social medias at I am Rachel Brooks. Awesome. Thanks so much. Look forward to checking you next week.